Columbus Dispatch is taking an in-depth, year-long look at the Linden neighborhood. This series will explore how Linden became one of the most economically depressed neighborhoods in Columbus and the challenges of revitalizing the neighborhood. We'll speak with residents, neighborhood leaders, and elected officials throughout the series. You can read about it in the newspaper at Dispatch.com and listen on this podcast. This is Living in Linden. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rick Ruan, City Hall reporter at the Columbus Dispatch, and I'm joined by Joanne Viviano, who covers healthcare for the paper. Thanks for hopping on the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about health issues in the Linden neighborhood. This is the latest installment of a year-long series that we've undertaken to explore some of the neighborhood's biggest issues. We've already covered crime, housing, infrastructure, faith community, lots of other topics. You can go back and read all about those and listen to previous previous podcast. But this month, I had a really big topic. Health covers a multitude of different areas. There's problems with chronic diseases that disproportionately affect people who live in Linden and other poor neighborhoods. There's problems with access to fresh food and the healthcare system itself. If you read the story in the newspaper or online at dispatch.com, you'll see that Columbus Health Commissioner Mashika Roberts believes all of this is related to what they call the social determinants of health. There are disparities in Linden when you compare them with the city at large that are really staggering. An Ohio State professor did an analysis of some Centers for Disease Control and Prevention data and found that adults in Linden with high blood pressure are, there's a greater proportion of them than in in the city at large. So you had 42% of adults in Linden with high blood pressure compared with 32% in the city at large. When you look at high cholesterol, 42% in Linden, 38% in the city at large heart disease, 8.2% in Linden, 5.6% in the rest of the city. Diagnosed diabetes, 16.5% in Linden, 11% in Columbus. I mean, the life expectancy of a person living in Linden is eight years shorter than the average Columbus resident, and babies are twice as likely to die before their first birthday in Linden. These are just shocking statistics to me, but when you're talking about the social determinants of health, it's not just about giving people access to health care. There are a lot of other things involved in this. Joanne, I know you've done reporting on that. You know even more about it than I do. What can you tell us about the social determinants of health and how they ultimately play into some of these statistics that that we're talking about? Well, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services defines social determinants of health as conditions in the environments in which people are born, live, learn, work, play, worship and age that affect a wide range of health, functioning, and quality of life outcomes and risks. So kind of breaking that down a little bit, it basically means that pretty much everything that touches you can in some way affect your health. And I think a lot of the topics you've already touched on are some of these social determinants. So we're talking about jobs and wages, economic stability, housing, housing cost burden, education, food and nutrition, which I think is kind of an obvious one for a lot of people, transportation. So some of these don't really make sense. You know, you think of health and you think 
think going to the doctor, Absolutely. eating well, exercising. But if somebody doesn't have good housing or they're homeless or they're burdened to pay their rent, then there's an increased stress level. They have less money to spend on healthy food. They have less money to spend on health care. They may have less time to spend with their children because they're trying to make ends meet. So there are a lot of things that can feed into health that don't necessarily involve medicine. Education is one of them, just the ability to understand some, uh, I think it's called health literacy. It's mm-hmm. kind of one of the things, just kind of understand what you need to do to stay healthy. And um, so all of these things sort of fit in. And it's kind of interesting because both the city, you had said Dr. Roberts, as well as the county and, and public health in general across the country are really focusing on a lot of these issues. And so in Franklin County, they have a community health improvement plan. In Columbus, they have a community health improvement plan. And they both reference these social determinants of health. And what's interesting is as they're coming up with these health plans, they're pulling in all kinds of different groups that you wouldn't think of. Mm -hmm. So you've got the housing authority. You've got the engineer's office, the sheriff's office, soil and water conservation district, the environmental council, the regional planning commission. So all these groups are sort of coming together to figure out how they can make a difference in improving the health of people in our community. And so, you know, what can those organizations do that can kind of make a difference? And one of the things that's that's been happening is Celebrate One, which is the infant mortality group here in, in Franklin County. They have been working to help homeless pregnant women get stable housing. And they're working to see how that might affect the infant mortality rate. So there's a lot of these things that play in. In the City of Columbus Health Improvement Plan, the determinants they're really focused on are educational attainment, poverty, violence, and housing cost burden, which we had, which we had touched on before. And they do, you know, break down, you had said some of the health issues that are different, but Celebrate One focuses on a handful of neighborhoods, and one of them is Linden. And there are just huge differences when you compare those neighborhoods to the rest of the county. Adults with high school diplomas or GEDs, food insecurity, vacancy rate, eviction rate, lack of health insurance, violent crime rate, unemployment, a lot of those things are really, really more of a problem in these neighborhoods. Yeah, and a lot of what you're talking about those are stubborn problems. Those are not things that you can just sort of create a program for today and then see tangible results a year from now. For instance, when I talked to Dr. Roberts, she talked about the education piece of it. You you mentioned that as uh, something that's part of their plan. They're targeting kids in preschool. I mean, they're they're trying to get more four-year-olds into quality preschool because if you go to preschool, you're more likely to succeed later on in your education and get a high school diploma, maybe go on to higher education, get a better job, you know, contribute better, you know, economically to your family. And that's a long process. I mean, if you're getting somebody into kindergarten today, you might not see the fruits of that until, you know, 18 years from now, if they are, you know, going to to college and then finding a job afterward, and, and if they even stay in that community. So, you know, these aren't things that just sort of 
change overnight. And I got the sense that that was understood, but also frustrating for the people who are on the front lines of uh, trying to fix this stuff. Definitely. They try to celebrate when they have these small victories, but they don't celebrate too much because they may not be lasting. You know, the numbers can go up one year, down another year, up one year, down another year. So with the infant mortality, for example, they look at a range of years. So they're, you know, kind of trying to see, you know, if if this five-year span is better than this five-year span, for example. But the infant mortality is an example. You you know, these programs are going to take time to to show, you know, change, to, to move those numbers, move that needle. And so I do think it is kind of frustrating because, you know, they're doing a lot of work and they're putting a lot of effort and there are a lot of groups trying to help, but it's slow, slow, slow moving. Yeah, I think one of those victories really came this week uh, when Mark Farinchek reported that a grocery store, Saraga, was going to go into the old Kroger site at the Northern Light Shopping Center during our reporting over the last year. Everybody points to that as being such a devastating blow to that community to lose a large grocery store where they could get quality produce and healthy foods. And that really feeds into a lot of what we're talking about with health right now. That store had sat vacant. You know, the the city and others had tried to kind of plug the gap. They started a farmer's market last summer that, by all accounts, was pretty successful. But you can't really run uh, farmer's markets in the winter outside in Ohio that can be pretty difficult. And, you know, actually seeing a grocery store come in, I know when I tweeted the story, lots of people were retweeting it and giving attaboys to those who are involved in in making that happen. So I think that was something that was cause for celebration there. The city also is looking at transportation. You mentioned that one as well. That was one that when I first started hearing about this idea that, you know, the city was going to try to address infant mortality by providing better transportation, it just didn't click for me. I, I didn't really get it until people uh, started laying it out that, you know, there's a component of getting to your appointments, but there's also the the piece of just having peace of mind of how you're going to get places and how that can, taking away that stress can contribute to healthy pregnancies. So it's just really interesting how I, when you were just kind of kicked it off with explaining the social determinants of health, I mean, there's so many different things that factor into that. Well, it's interesting where you said, you know, you know, just kind of that worrying about these issues. And one of the things I thought was different in Franklin County when they put together their improvement plan is they came up with these social determinants, but they said one of the things that kind of crosses all these lines is building hope. So if people have more hope, they're more likely to take part in some of these things, you know, get some of these services and sort of take steps forward in trying to work on their health or trying to um, reach out to some of these these programs that are out there. So I think one of their efforts is kind of trying to figure out how to build hope in people. And so I think when you're when you're offering some of these services where you're saying, okay, you will have transportation to your prenatal visit, then that can kind of, you know, change a mindset. You know, you re- you're releasing stress. You're, you're giving somebody something where they can sort of look forward instead of worrying about the next minute, how they're going to make ends meet. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little twist on it. When I saw that pop up in that report, it was a little bit of something I hadn't heard before, that yeah. hope aspect. Yeah. Right. You know, the other thing that really kind of 
came up a lot as I was reporting on this story was just the question of access to care as well. There's a lot of different things that feed into that, much like the social determinants of health. You've got a population of people who are uninsured. I was actually kind of surprised to find through the the one Linden plan that the city uh, released last year that the uninsured rate in Linden is actually not all that different from the rest of the city. I think it's at somewhere between 16 and 17 percent. But in Linden, you don't really have a presence from any of the the major hospital systems that that we have here, at least not a a brick and mortar permanent one. There's, There's no outpatient facility there that people point to and say, this is where you go when, you know, you need care in Linden. You've got Mount Carmel with mobile coach where they're showing up at the Clinton Township Fire Department every other Tuesday to provide what would probably be considered urgent care for folks and then trying to link them to primary care. And then you've got Primary One Health operating out of really kind of shared space with St. Stephen's. It's right there. And there's a lot of dovetailing that goes on between those two organizations. But other than that, you don't have a huge presence from any of the hospital systems there. And that brings up another issue that is sort of a term that you hear a lot in public health is this health equity. So basically, is it fair? So, you know, do people in certain neighborhoods have the same opportunities to achieve health as people in in other neighborhoods? And that's one of the things that they do try to address is that equity. And so it's kind of one of the concepts they use is it's not a matter of giving everybody the same thing. It's a matter of giving everybody what they need. So you may have to have more programs in certain neighborhoods than you have in others in order to bring them to what they need to achieve health. So that is another thing they're looking at is trying to get some of these things in there. And you you mentioned the, the grocery. And if I remember correctly, there was some mention in the story about tax breaks. Yeah. And he was not aware of them. And so if you're in a neighborhood where uh, somebody who he said he's not really there just to make money, he's there to make a difference and help people in that neighborhood. And he's not aware of these tax breaks or he's not getting these tax breaks. And then in, in some other neighborhoods where maybe a grocery store is not as needed might be different. So I think there are a lot of things that can play into that to make things a little more equitable, which is different than equal. Yeah. But, you know, just kind of give, you know, what you need in this neighborhood might be something completely different than what you need in another neighborhood. I think the bottom line with this is that it is a hugely complicated problem. There are lots of organizations, government agencies, and even individuals who are trying to address it. We've really only hit the tip of the iceberg here, but that's all that we have for you this month. Thanks, Joanne, for uh, joining me on the podcast today. And I hope you will read all of our coverage, not just about health in London, but all of the other topics we've covered over the last year in the newspaper and at dispatch.com. Thanks. Thanks.